another instalment of the Top Order podcast. It's brilliant to be joined tonight by an old friend of the show coming to us from quarantine in Christchurch and fresh off another IPL title as the bowling coach of the Mumbai Indians. Shane Bond, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, nice to see you boys again. Well, look, we should start by saying look, a massive congrats to you and the Mumbai crew for the win. We haven't done the numbers, but it's got to be one of the most dominant IPL seasons ever, which we'll unpick in a bit more detail soon. But has it sunk in for you as you've you know moved back to, to New Zealand now and, and sitting out in a, a Christchurch hotel with a, with a few of the boys as well? Yeah, it's it's man, it's pretty cool actually. Um, I think you when you're when you're in the heat of the competition, you you understand how hard it is to win that competition. We we knew we had a bloody good team and were capable of winning it, but you've still got to go out and do it and beat some bloody good teams with some incredible players. So, yeah, it's nice to come back. It's, you know, I was off contract and um, got a call last night from the manager saying, yep, keen to have you again. So all those awesome. little things, oh, mate, awesome. when that happens, it's uh, it's really pleasing. So uh, I love the team. Um, it's, a, it's an awesome thing. And it's always, it's always good when you win, especially when you're away for that amount of time. You're going to be away for that long. You might as well win it. So it was all in all, it made it a, a great three months. And aside from the obvious, the fact that it was played in United Arab Emirates at those three grand Sharjah, Dubai and Abu Dhabi, so that, and there's no crowds, how was it different to a normal IPL? Did Was there any difference on the field in the way the group worked, do you think? <clears throat> no, I like that. That was the, the first thing that struck me was when we played the first game was um, you know, how was it going to be with no crowds and the intensity of the cricket? So turned up and that obviously set the group rounds up with the with the screens all around, banners, particularly in the Dubai Stadium. And initially we were the opening game that had a lot of sort of fake crowd noise. It was almost over the top. And I thought, shit, this is going to be hard going. Every game is like this. But after the first game, they sort of the crowd noise became more for the TV and we didn't have to listen to it at the ground. Um, they still had the DJ pumping out music, which was good. But in terms of the intensity of the cricket, uh, that didn't change one bit. It was still... You know, incredibly competitive. Um, it was uh, you sort of forget that there was no crowd there because you're so engrossed in the game anyway. Um, and the competition was was just as tough. The the one good thing from I think everybody enjoyed was the fact that you just after a game didn't have to go back to the hotel, pack your bag, and get on a plane for a five hour trip the next day. You, you know, I had a really great room, had a balcony overlooked the sea, and and it was my home for three months. So. And it felt like home, so it it certainly made the whole tournament less stressful. We didn't obviously have fans hanging around looking for photos and autographs, so in terms of that, it made it less stressful. So even though the tournament for us was a couple of weeks longer than normal, it actually was probably the quickest in terms of how it felt uh, of all the ones that I've done. So, yeah, it sort of went by pretty quick. And you've won in an, an even-numbered year now, so the, the curse is gone. Does that just mean the name's on the trophy every year from, from here on in? Yeah, it would be. I mean, who knows, mate? I mean, there's a lot of talk now that we're going to go um, to an expansion with more teams and and a big auction, which means our team's likely to get ripped apart um, because, you know, we've got so many good players. Um, it's really wait and see on that front, which is a really real shame because... You know, the management have done a great job, not only in their recruiting, but their retention and development of players as well. And um, you can see the benefits of that, that now as we're such a tough side to beat quality all across the, 
field, and, and I'm still amazed by the level of cricket that the boys can can pull out when you when you're there, and that's what makes it such a great competition and so exciting to be coaching with some of the best players in the world. So, no, it'll be it'll be strange, mate. If we go back and we, you know, only got a handful of the players that we've had now, it's it's a real shame. Um, but you know that that's what we could face in the coming months, and we'll just have to deal with that when it happens. You mentioned the team building side there, and it, I mean it's, it feels like you know Mumbai's obviously built a dynasty here. And how how does that actually work in terms of like who is who are the ones building the squad, and and how much of a kind of long term look do they have when they're doing it? Oh look, I think it starts with our owners. They are Akash in particular, and Barney is incredibly passionate about the team. Um, they love the team and put a lot of resource and support around us. And he spends a lot of time looking at opportunities to make the team better. There's a Reliance have their own cricket team, so they they bring in talented players to play for Reliance to get a closer look at them as well. So it's almost like a feeder system for the for Mumbai that they yeah, can yeah. bring in players, get a good look at them, start to develop them, um, and see whether they think that, that that's a path that they want to go down. Um, and then, look, you, you go back to when I, I started. John Wright was involved. He wasn't there this year, but he's been involved every year in the scouting of talent. So he obviously spotted uh, Jasper Boomer. Um, and my first year was the first year of Hardik Pandya and his brother. followed. So they've developed, you know, three of these incredibly talented guys. And then around that, they've made smart trades for Surya Kumar Yadav, who I think is a sensational player. Clinton de Kock mm-hmm. and Trent Bolt. So, you know, they, they, these are players who... Other teams had, didn't want. We, we've brought them into our setup. We always feel that if we get players, um, you know, players of that quality, we always feel like they're going to play better within our team. You mentioned uh, that Trent came over on a trade before. You must have been pretty stoked when that happens. It seems like good things kind of happen whenever you and Trent get together. Yeah, I was, I was stoked, but I was, I was excited about having him with the team. Um, you know, I Obviously, you follow everybody's progress, so you've had an involvement with the New Zealand cricket. So, um, you know, when Tim Tim was with us, Lockie's in the IPL, all the all the guys who've come over, you you want to see how they go and you follow their progress and hope that they have a great tournament. Um, obviously, followed Trent for some time, and yeah, you know, I always thought there was more potential to develop his T20 game in particular. So, you know, I remember um, Mahela called me in the middle of the year and asked me what I thought. I said, "Yep, go for it." Um, and uh, as you said, the owners were, were keen to get it done, and they they got the got the deal done. And then uh, yeah, I was really excited about having him in and around our team. Um, as I said, we always feel like players and make them make them better. And he was, I mean, he had a great season for us. And yeah. you know, that's yeah. I suppose the thing. You why we you know there's the there may be a big auction next year, or they may just go with the standard and roll the roll the roll the contracts over for one more year. You know, with everything that's going on. Yeah, do they? So, do they yeah, do they? He'd probably they, yeah. another year and, and be part of our setup. But in saying that, if it goes to a big auction, then you know he could go for big money on the back of what he's done this year. So either way, he's he's, he's had a real win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and do, do you have kind of any inkling? There's been sort of a few different things coming out about you know what might happen next year, like whether it's even going to be on in April and and where it's going to be. Uh, uh yeah, I think it's going. Uh, my gut feels it'll be in the same place. Um, uh, in the back in the UA, just because of everything that's going on in in India. Um, but yeah, like I'm just I'm probably 
probably like everybody else. I'm just re- reading rumors in newspapers and not really sure whether they're true or not true. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I think that, that's just wait and see. Yeah, good segue there. I wanted to talk a little bit about the rest of the bubble. So can you take us inside the camp? Uh, what was it like outside of the training and the games? How did you guys keep yourselves entertained? Well, uh, I mean, we were in the we were in St. Regis Hotel in Abu Dhabi. So there are only two teams in Abu Dhabi, which um, us and Calcutta. And so in terms of training, I think we had better use of facilities. We had outfields that we could train on and centre wickets, which was great. But at our hotel, it was... The, the way they decked out the hotel was unbelievable. We we had a pool for ourselves. We could access the beach. But I think our team room was 10,000 square foot. So you know, we had wow. um, basketball hoop in there. We had um, video game machines, pool, uh, yeah, indoor basketball um, shooting stuff. There was just – what everything was in there. It was table tennis, board games, video games. Everything was decked out with a massive movie-sized screen in there for us to watch whatever we wanted to watch on it. Next door to that was where we sort of did our analysis. There was a, another part of the team room that had a music set up, like a DJ and a whole music centre with a drums, guitars, the full works. And then uh, on the other side was a sort of a gym of the same sort of area. So it was a massive gym that so we could have the whole team in there and you were never squashed in. And there was a big enough area to play indoor soccer uh, when the boss turned up. So... It was a massive area, and it was a great a great um, interact with the players because you could go to the gym and you were never on top of each other. Where you know in India the the, the gym was really small and tight, but there it was a very social. There was big spaces. Um, the team room was very social because you never felt crowded. Uh, so it was just a brilliant setup, mate. So. Look, we, we knew we probably had the best setup as we usually do of all the teams. Uh, everyone was extremely grateful for it. Um, and then it just enabled us to, to get on with what we, what we had to get done. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Uh, we actually we had a talk with uh, Dr. Jamie Barker, who's a uh, leading sports psychologist about, you know, bubble, especially in the UK, but also around the world. Is there anything that, uh, you know, Mumbai Indians did differently or how did they cater to that mental health side of that uh, situation? Oh, not, I mean, that's the probably one of the things I think maybe for next year for us is to look at is the, the it hasn't been done too much in the IPLs, the sports psych side of things. I think with everything going on, I think there's, you know, there's a real opportunity in that space. I mean, our boys had been in a bubble for two months training, our Indian boys back mm-hmm. in Reliance. Reliance have got their own ground. The Ambani's have their own ground and uh, this Facilities like uh, accommodation facilities. So our guys have been there for two months and then came straight over to you know the UAE. So we've got blokes who've been away for five and a half months from their families and certainly found it challenging. I know the Indian team scores a lot, but for, for guys who hadn't played for India, I, I knew you know you could tell sometimes they they came in waves. Their intensity sort of waned, and you tell just through whisperings and murmurings that they were finding it tough being away. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I suppose, yeah, look, I know, I know watching the Big Bash and I'm, I'm watching a whole range of competitions going on. Um, you know, I hear a lot about sacrifice. I'm not a real big one for the sacrifice sort of speech. I, I think, you know, we're lucky to have a job in the current climate. It's a choice. You know, we make a choice to work and we're lucky to have that choice. We know that it's, or I know for myself, that it was hard for that period of time. But you also know that that period of time is going to, 
you know, it's not a year, it's three months. You just got to find ways to keep yourself busy and, and you got to get your job done. So that's the way I took it. I, I always take it as just kind of opportunity to fit, uh, work hard, keep busy. Uh, and I suppose it's easier as a member of staff because you are always busy. The players have a lot more downtime. Um, but there was certainly everything that could possibly provided for um, them to get through it. Um, everyone handles it differently, uh, but I'm sure everyone, the hardest thing made is coming back into quarantine. Um, the tournament went <laughs> fast, but then you've got to come back and do this stuff on top of it. That's the killer at the back end. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the big factor for people. Well, you know, I, I come out of quarantine where I'd normally have three weeks before I go to the Big Bash. I've got one week at home, and then I've got to go over to Australia for two months and have another two weeks at the back end again, you know, and then I might have, then it might be another, the same again, another one week turnaround before I head back to the IPL. So, you know, that's three, two weeks at home out of nine, um, you know, with six weeks of that being quarantine, it's pretty shitty. So, you know, at the end, if if I'm lucky enough to have enough work, then you'll just make choices to not work, um, to to perhaps not come to one of the competitions. Um, But you, you just don't know when the, uh, environment's going to change or when the restrictions are going to ease off. Mm. I mean, you might be too humble to bring this up, Shane, but I think you can probably take a lot of credit for how well that Mumbai bowling attack performed and, and operated during the tournament, particularly that, that fast bowling uh, rotation that you had. You must be really pleased with the way that your fast bowlers performed in that tournament. You know, Boomer 27 wickets, Bolt 25 wickets, key in the power play. You must be really pleased. Yeah, look, I look. You've got good cat. We've got good cattle. There's no doubt about that. It's it's always easier when you've got quality bowlers. I mean, that's one of the things the court we call it the DNA or the spine of our team is, and 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 it's no surprise to me that the other team that was uh, up there this year with Delhi, you know, Ricky was part of Mumbai and really has copied a lot of what the stuff taken from Mumbai and done the same stuff. So we obviously have developed Bumrah, who's the best in the world. And our DNA or spine is to put two international fast bowlers around that, um, you know. And then we've got a, we've got two very good spinners as well. And we look for depth uh, and value in the other in the uh, other seamers that we get. And it's been a you know hugely successful to to roll out you know international quality bowling attack year on year. Um, you know, if we if Jasper got injured or was unavailable or left, I mean, I think we would come back to the pack because I think, you know, we have a couple of players in our team who are above and beyond the average and he's certainly one of them. Um, but it's still fun to work with uh, players like that to really push them and challenge them and try and get more out of them. Um, they still do things that the average player does, you know, in terms of their worries, concerns. Um, and so, yeah, that's, despite all their talent and ability, which they have, there's always ways to, to try to improve them and make them better. And that's, that's the fun part of the job. And, you know, the best part about franchise cricket is, you know, I've been at Mumbai for six years now, but, you know, you're only there with them for, you know, two and a half months, usually. So they, they don't get sick of your voice. Um, so, and so when you come back, it's, a, you know, it's reinvigorating. You know, you slightly tweak the stuff that you do. But, yeah, you also understand each other's personalities, what, how to get the best out of the players, and, and you have a level of trust there that uh, enables that to happen. You know, that, that was the easiest part about having Trent come back in is, you know, we had a strong relationship so we could just get down to work. You know, when you guys come in, when you have bring in for us Pattinson, Coulton Isle this year, who you know but haven't worked with, it always takes a little bit of time. So that's why, you know, when you go to, when I look at the head coaching job that you 
the, the Thunder, I'm a huge believer in the, the continuity of your screen. You get a group of guys together who like each other, like playing with each other, understand how they understand how each other plays. And I think when you do that and you start having some success and confidence, then you be, can become very tough to beat. So, um, yeah, it's, it's that's why it's fun going back because, you know, those those guys, the Formatic Pangas, the Krunals have been around, you know, as long as I have. And it's, you know, they become become very close with them and it's it's good to, to go back and, and work with them. Did you expect that the pace bowlers would have such an impact and for so long in the tournament? I mean, whenever we talked about it in our preview, we thought that spin would start to become quite the dominant form of bowling, particularly towards the back end of the tournament. But by the time we got to the final, it was the two best pace attacks and the pace attacks really dominated. Did you have that expectation going into the tournament that your pace bowling would really set you apart? No, we did. We, we, I mean, average scores were about 160, you know, where we played, I, I suppose, because a lot of the tournaments that occurred in sort of March, April onwards, um, which is maybe perhaps after a season of cricket in the UAE, where we were coming in at the beginning of the season after the, after the heat. Um, and it was, yeah, mate, it was, it was, what we got was, I mean, the conditions were exceptional. The wickets they produced were incredible. So, so no, we, we didn't. We lost our fast bowling all-rounder. So Hardik could, could uh, bat for us, but he couldn't bowl. So it left us a little bit um, vulnerable. We, we took in five bowlers, but as I said, we've got five quality bowlers. But no, I think it just... It was nice to see a bit of a renaissance for the genuine fast bowlers, to see Archer, Rabada, Bolt, Boomer, these sort of guys you know, having real success. I, I think it made it uh, incredibly exciting, actually. So... I think there was, you know, the grounds, all the grounds were very different in their dimensions and the way they played. The charger was tiny. Um, it was a little bit lower and slower, and some teams played better. We were on certain grounds, and we were certainly lucky. When we were at Abu Dhabi, it was it was more like, uh, it was actually like playing in Mumbai. That It was a good wicket, had a little bit in it, had good pace and bounce. So the, the conditions were, didn't feel entirely foreign for us. So I think that's why we sort of, once we found our groove, we, we, we played really well and were very tough to beat. And we always feel like if we played well, we were, we were always going to be tough to beat. But I think even we probably um, played better and more consistently than what you think you're going to. So I think by the time we got to the finals, we we were very relaxed. We were we, we knew what we were And, you know, we just steamrolled over the top of Delhi, which was good fun. And... Shane, we've talked, I guess, a little bit about it and seen a lot of the social media players disappearing almost as soon as they could get out of that bubble. You you boys get a chance to celebrate or were you sort of already on the way to the to the airport? You got the time to sing the Mumbai chant, we hope? Yeah, we, we sang the Mumbai chant. It's always fun. Um, we had yeah, a few hours in the shed after the game where all the families came in and then all the boys got together. Um, a couple of drinks. It was pretty low-key. I mean... Um, you know, there are times during the season we uh, we'd have a win and we'd get together, but when you finish late and the, and it's been a long hot day, um, those those occasions are usually pretty low key. But you no, know, Trent and I and James Pamant headed to an airport hotel straight after at about midnight when everyone hopped back on the bus to head back to Abu Dhabi and you know um, Hardik and Jasper were heading to the Indian bubble and James Pattinson was heading to the Australian bubble. It was a little bit strange, but we sort of left the ground and. Uh, Got to a hotel there and ordered some fries and pizza and cracked open a bottle of rum and sat there for four hours and <laughs> did that and then yeah. sort of had to sleep before we headed to the airport. So it was, you know, just reflected on the, the it, it was pretty cool. 
There'd have been a few people wanting to head to the Chris Gale, Andre Russell bubble, wouldn't there? After the after the the tournament finished. Yeah, I mean, well, that was the the one thing you know we would be we would so protected. You know, going to an airport hotel and we just tried to stay away from everyone because you were still a little bit. And even when we went through the airport the next day, you know, that's the one place where you felt a little bit more vulnerable because we were so well protected in our hotel. You know, all the staff had to live in with us. Um, the drivers, the bus drivers, everybody stayed in the hotel. So we were never going to get exposed to anything. So it was taken extremely seriously. You know, we're obviously looking to head over to Australia where they're not letting the players out, but, you know, all the hotel staff, et cetera, are just living their normal lives. So it's sort of, I don't know if you call it half-assed, but it doesn't quite feel as secure as what it was in the UAE. We were completely safe, really, and tested every three days. So, um yeah, you never felt like you were ever going to get sick. So it was, in that respect, it was the job that they did putting the competition on was it was unbelievable, really. Yeah, I think I think I heard Trent Bolt. Um, he's just done a, a media session, and he was saying yeah, people barely even got a cold in the in the, um, in the toll tournament. Well, that, that that's the the sort of the knock on of it really is when when you generally play in India, there's a couple of things, because you're travelling in planes all the time and through airports and there's people, everybody's around, a whole heap of blokes get sick um, for different, the, the air conditioning's always you know, in different hotels is um, you know, is, you go to some hotels over there, it blasts here and you just feel like crap uh, it's different in different places and you're always getting guys, and it's not just the foreign guys, but the Indian guys getting bugs and sick and the flu and it sort of can run through the team, whereas this time, I think we might have had a couple of blokes got a crook guts through something they ate, but no one got a cold, no one got the flu. Um, you know, blokes weren't run down just because we just didn't have that travel element and we weren't exposed to any bugs. So everyone was, was really healthy. I think one of our Mumbai TV guys had his appendix out, so he had to get rushed out, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> take for a surgery uh, at the hotel. And then, you know, when he came back in, he, he had to re-quarantine for a week. So, yeah, barring that, mate, yeah, everyone was... was fit and healthy it was it was bloody good and and we want to we do want to touch on the, the bbl stuff but just finally um i, I guess on the ipl and, and on mumbai um kind of it felt like there was a really good vibe in that camp and at least uh every time i looked at james pamit's instagram it seemed like him and surya kumayadav were just tucking into cakes is that is that some <laughs> kind of tradition mumbai tradition yeah, it's, uh, I'd hate to spend my, the money they spend on cakes. It's, it would be <laughs> so. If you have a birthday, there's a cake, and what generally happens is the per, the person who has the birthday cuts the cake, and then feeds a piece of that cake to one of the mates in the team, and then somebody feeds a piece of that cake back, and then after that, <laughs> what usually happens is Ishan Ishan Kishan then takes the cake and sp- spreads it all over the person whose birthday's face. <laughs> and our analyst DJ gets coated as well because everyone does that to him every time. So it basically butchers the whole cake, but, you, you know, two or three different people get coated in it. There's one occasion where our logistics guy who's a champion, Prashant, it was his birthday. Mitch McClenaghan actually just picked him up and dumped his face, whole head, into the cake. <laughs> <laughs> so that got done. And every birthday it happens. Every every time we win a game, we come back, there's cake. Like, yeah, there's the, the amount of outstanding cake that gets ruined and eaten is it's it's pretty impressive. So there, those sort of little things are pretty cool, and you know that involves not just the players, but the, all this, uh, the staff in and around the team who help out. We celebrate, you know, even the, the we had eleven net bowlers come over from India. You know, when it was one of their boys' birthdays, this, you know they got the same treatment. Um, 
and that's the you know the the motto of Mumbai's one family and there's no doubt that um, you know the owners go above and beyond and looking after the people in the organization so having been there for that long and seeing some of the stuff that they do to help people out if people are you know, having personal stuff that they need dealt with there's knowing that the owners will go to to help people out um, or rehabbing them from injury. I think Alzari Joseph got came in for us last year um, and you know played one two games and then blew his shoulder out and you know, they got him surgery in India rehabbed him for two months flew him home then brought him back to India for his rehab you know we spent tens if not hundreds of thousands to rehab him and he wasn't part of our team anymore but that's the level of care that they showed for him so I think that the sort of you know you don't get that from many organisations, and I think that it means uh, a lot to the boys when you know that uh, that there's genuine care for you. That's that's a that's a fantastic story and a testament to that Mumbai ownership, and it's really no surprise that they are the dominant team in the IPL over the last seven seasons. Before we let you go, though, we wanted to take a quick look at the upcoming Big Bash League season. So, what's the next few weeks look like for you, Shane? You're helping out with. Black Caps training during this quarantine period back home and then off to the BBL all in a rush. Yeah, it's pretty full on. I mean, the the the, the one thing that quarantine will do, I've sort of done my review of the year for Mumbai, so that's killed a day, two days of doing that. And I've I've got, you know, some plans I want to do for for uh, the Thunder in prep. I mean, there's, there's still a lot of unknown with the, what's going on over there. We don't have a training schedule yet. There's a whole lot of different stuff that's sort of a little bit up in the air. Um, so, but I've still got a chance to sort of plot and plan around that stuff. So, get Brendan and I um, and Tommy Simsek, Chris Donaldson are here to assist the six blokes who have come back from the IPL to get ready for the T20 and Test matches. So, well, we can do that. And obviously, having worked with Trent, there's a few things that we want to do um, around his stuff. Um, and then, yeah, and hopefully, what I'll do, I'll get all my planning done for Sydney, so that I, when I get the one week off, I can just be engage with what's going on at home and then yeah the wind and I head off to Canberra so we've got a, I think we're based in Canberra for the first month of the Big Bash so again it's quite nice I think they're starting to loosen restrictions up for the players over there and Canberra's a good spot and it's a really good wicket and good facility so again like you can sort of unpack all your stuff and relax and and get into it and then after that it's sort of uh, a few options depending on what the COVID situation is like. We could you know, go into Western Australia, we could play, be playing all our games uh, in Sydney. So a little bit of uh, wait and see. Um, but yeah, we, we've, we've put together a pretty good roster, we think, and um, yeah, excited for the upcoming season. Um, give our players have sort of kicked on from the last couple of years. And Sam's having um, been picked in the Aussie team and having some IPL experience and the guys are sort of the core of our guys has sort of been together now for two, three, four years and got some experience into them. And we've added a, a few nice players. So when I speak to the, the boys in the squad, they're pretty excited and confident about what we can do this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You mentioned Daniel Sams there, and you also mentioned him last year when we talked about the BBL preview, the season just gone as a player to watch. Did you have any conversations with him at the IPL? What did he take out of that experience? And what are your expectations for him now as, as pretty much the leader of that Sydney Thunder attack coming into this BBL 10? Yeah, I think, I mean, he's the one, he's one, you know, he's been to England, then he's been to BBL, he's coming back to be in the Australian bubble. So the conversations with him were definitely about managing, you know, he's one who's going to four different bubbles in a row, which is really challenging. So we talked a little bit about that about how we make sure that he 
gets to see his wife and how we manage him through that period of time, uh, what that looks like. Uh, he, he loved it. Obviously, he was he was with Ricky, and Ricky said to me that he felt his batting had improved greatly since he was with, with Delhi, and he was really pleased with him. So, you know, we obviously watched him. play played two or three games in a row, and there's a few things I thought he could be doing better, so that's that's good for me. But, yeah, look, I, and Chris Green was at KKR as well, getting a whole different experience there as well. But I think it's just the fact that those guys can rub shoulders and watch and train against some of the best players in the world. So it's only going to improve your game when you're doing that. So it's exciting then to bring those boys back into our uh, environment with more confidence, more experience, um, and then hopefully that flows in through our team. That's trying to build a, a core group of players that I think can carry us forward and have success, even when I leave, for, for the next four, five, six years like we've done at Mumbai. So... We took a step last year getting third. We've, we've got some good overseas signings again this year and yeah, all going well. well. We'll have a good season. Yeah, notable signing from a New Zealand point of view. Adam Milne coming into the roster. Obviously someone with a massive amount of talent but a few setbacks with injury. Do you have a sense of whether or not he's sort of full, fully fit and ready to go for this year for you guys? Yeah, I'm, look, I'm excited to have Adam over. I knew he just missed the first part of the season. He's had a little hamstring niggle, but he's not far away from being back. And, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, for us, there was it was really hard to put a roster together because you'd, there was a couple of things. Didn't know whether who was going to be part of our, or part of the Australian setup. So I had to assume that Usman was going to be part of it, um, you know, with especially expanded teams. And he, he hasn't been selected, which is a bonus for us. Um, you had to get, you know, you had to try to pick people because I'm a big believer in trying to get players who are there for um, you know, a huge, if not all the season, but a large chunk of it. So Alex Hales was left out of the England setup again. Um, I don't know why he continues to be left out, but anyway, that just meant that we we wanted to get him back because he was gone last year. Um, you need you need cover in the in certain positions. You know, if you've got a bubble and you can't just pull someone into your team, then you know, we had to make sure we had enough. You know, bowling cover, wicket-keeping cover, so we went for Sam Billings. And then from a fast-bowling point of view, it was it was tough because you wanted someone who you knew was playing, um, and it's never easy picking a bowler who's going to have to come through a hard quarantine and do two weeks sitting in their room. We had a lot of uh, managers from around the world calling about certain players, but the biggest concern for English bowlers was they were going to be coming out of winter and then they're sitting in a hotel room for two weeks and then expecting to come out and play where... I was interested in getting someone who's coming out of a cricket season and be ready to play. And fortunately, New Zealand don't have a foreign moment and um, over there, so Adam can pretty much walk out of some one-day games for CD and straight in, into cricket with us and hopefully hit the ground running. So there's a whole range of different factors. But the other thing is, I wanted someone who bowled wheels, um, someone who's a good bugger, and Adam had played with Sam Billings, who we'd already signed up. So there's a real connection there and I thought uh, brilliantly for us and also it's exciting mate that um, not only Adam but Colin Munro's going over there I think it's exciting for New Zealand viewers to watch the competition and adds a little mm-hmm. bit of extra interest with a couple of Kiwi boys playing and, and hopefully they can they can you know do really well Oh for sure and in terms of the, the predictions from last year the Saint Shane Bond scouting department got us the breakout player of the tournament in my mind with Daniel Sams who should we pay who should we be paying close attention to this time around for the Thunder? Uh, we've still got a couple of young batters. I mean, Matt Jilks, uh, as a top-order player, he might struggle to um, play this season much because 
Waja will be there the whole time, and Ferguson's the captain at three, so um, he'll keep in the first few games while Sam's away, probably bat four or five, but he's a top order player, and from next year he'll bat up there and he'll be gun. We've got a we've got another young guy called Ollie Davies again who might struggle to play, but he whacks it. Um, it's Australian under 19s. I'd love to give him a chance to play, and I'm hoping to be able to hold on to him. But probably the guy to watch for us um, is a bloke called Kanbir Sanger. He's a, a 19-year-old leg spinner, played in the Australian under-19s last year. There's big racks on him. He's a great kid, got a lot of talent, and he'll definitely get game time for us. So, you know, we I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm, I have no problem playing, you know, young leg spinners. I, don't, I have a problem playing young fast bowlers, but I don't have a problem playing young leg spinners, especially ones with good temperament. So... He'll play some games for us this year, and I, and I think he'll do pretty good. So keep an eye out on him. Oh, fantastic! I, I love to I love young leg spinners getting a go in the in the in the BBL tournament. That will be fantastic. Um, last question though, at at the end of the kind of BBL season, is it back straight back into the IPL for you, preparing for that uh, IPL tournament in April? Yeah, possibly. I mean, there was whispers that it was going to be starting in mid March. Um, which means the turnaround to put a quarantine, as I said, would be really fast. Um, you know, all your, that's the beauty also of the stuff that you do from franchise to franchise is I've got my template that I run for bowling for Mumbai that I, I sort of tweak and refine and bring something slightly different to, to the Thunder and then take it back to Mumbai and it's refined again. So it's, A, it's the, the players know what they're going to get, but you're just trying to build on it, add to it, tweak it. And obviously, I have an overall philosophy of template that I run for the Thunder. So year three now, the guys are really familiar with it. I've got a couple of really good assistants at the Thunder who... I've got a new one this year, Chandika Hatrasinger. So he was the Sri Lanka, former Sri Lankan um, Bangladesh coach. He's now the batting coach for New South Wales. So he's coming in. So again, I, I'm getting to work uh, alongside a world-class coach, which is exciting. Um, yeah, so then that's that's what happens, mate. That's the beauty of the franchise stuff is you just get to try different stuff. So for your own coaching development, it's it's bloody good as well. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose that the fast turnaround makes it difficult. But if I just sit down with my my wife and we looked at what was coming up, and I'm lucky she's a gun, and you say, look, it is what it is. It's gonna it's gonna go like this for the next uh, seven eight months. We just get on with it, and you know just keep ourselves busy and as and as she said to me the other day, look, there's one third of it down. Um, once the big bash gets over, you know, there's only one third of it left. So yeah, I can't complain, mate. Oh, that's that's great, Shane. And and um yeah, good luck for, for the rest of the, the BBL and, and yeah, we'll see what happens with the, the IPL. But really appreciate you you coming on and, and talking to us again. It's uh yeah, it's always a pleasure to have a have a yarn with you. So thanks very much. No, my pleasure anytime. Cheers, lads. Thanks for tuning in to the Top Order podcast. Before you disappear from our feed, if you're a new listener, please do go and check out the back catalogue. We've spoken recently to New Zealand coach Gary Stead. We've got Graham Thorpe. We've got Shane Dietz. We've got Barry Richards, Shane Bond, Colin Miller, all in the back catalogue. You can find the details www.thetoporderpodcast.com with the Top Order podcast on Instagram, although we're still really figuring that out. We're at Top Order Pod on Facebook and Twitter, so don't be shy to jump on. Give our tweets a share or a retweet, and we'll see you next week.